Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takes by fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, However you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered in multiple ways. All right, today's a big old Sunday, folks. The last Sunday for the next month, son, until February. The last Sunday that there is no football on, folks. Preseason, there is no preseason this weekend. We had the Hall of Fame game. We got the Hall of Fame ceremonies going on Friday, Saturday, and today. The speeches come out today. But next week, preseason game number one for all the teams, baby. We got three straight weeks of Sunday preseason games, and then we're heading right into that freaking lovely start of the NFL season. So this is the last Sunday, folks. I know it's been a while. It's been a road. It's been a long journey, but we've finally gotten here, and love it, love it. But we still got some work to do, folks, so. Today on the show, we are going to be kind of continuing on with our NFL team refreshers, spin the wheel, see what team we get, and uh, go over everything, what they did last season, what they've done this offseason in the draft, who do they get, who do they lose, and we'll walk through their schedule to see how many wins we give them. And we'll see, we may be able to squeeze in two teams today, maybe, potentially. We do like to go some long, uh, long time. <laughs> we do like to go long sometimes when we do our uh, NFL team refreshers. But we'll see what we get. We can definitely squeeze in one, and we'll see if we get a second team. But uh, let's just jump right into it with the stories of the day. And the first one up, wide receiver for the Bucks, Mike Evans says, "Quote: This is the best receiver room I've been around, top to bottom." All right. Now, obviously, this is an absolutely fantastic. Receiver room. We know this. We just talked about um, be, like Antonio Brown and this Bucks team being even better than what they were last year because they have Antonio Brown from the start, not eight weeks into the season. So they're going to be all ready to go week one out of the gate. And that was kind of the only the only downfall of the Bucks last season was they got out to a little bit of a slow start. Did they lose their first two games? I know they lost their first game. Um, let's get this up really quickly. Just a little refresher. See what this Bucks did. They either, I want to say they lost both both of their first two games. Let's see. Here we go. They lost week one. All right, they ended up winning week two, and then they ended up going three straight. They went. Uh, they started the season three and two. Not bad. All right, but I mean, starting three and two last season, they're about to start five and zero oh this season just because they have it all right out of the gate. So nothing to kind of get. They're already familiar and comfortable with each other there's no kind of learning curve learning process like last year for the Bucks at the start of the season and they just have everybody ready to rock but I do want to investigate Mike Evans claim I mean we know this is the best receiver room that they've had obviously Mike Evans Antonio Brown Chris Godwin Scotty Miller and then you've got three 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 great tight ends here I don't think I've ever seen tight end depth this deep in the NFL ever we talk about running back depth with the Colts with three the Broncos trying to get three we'll see how that goes uh the Ravens with three last year but that's running backs but I've never seen three deep tight ends like this Rob Gronkowski OJ Howard and Cameron Brait folks they're hogging all the tight ends Jeez, Rob Gronkowski, what did he do last year? 
623 yards with seven touchdowns. That's absolutely amazing. O.J. Howard, what did he do last season? 146 yards, two touchdowns, but he did not play in that many games. I think it was, uh, how many games did he play in last season? Yeah, he only played in one, two, three, four. He played in four games last season because of a little bit of an injury. But O.J. Howard should be back and fresh and ready to rock. And then we have Cameron Bray. How many yards and touchdowns did he have last season? 282 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and he played in every single game last season, basically. Most of them. So it's just there's these are great wide receivers. Hopefully they start expanding it a little bit more because literally all these tight ends really could be 1,000 yard receiving tight ends, honestly. So let's see if they open up it a little bit more for the tight ends, not just going to Gronk, spread the wealth a little bit. I mean, I would be running three tight end sets if I was this Bucks team. Three tight ends. Let me get two wide receivers and we're, we're ready to rock. I, and running back, maybe. Who cares? Do we even need one at this point? We're throwing the ball. We got Tom Brady. No running backs allowed. And Tom Brady's just going to be putting up 8,000 yards by himself passing because they're not going to be having that uh, running back back there. So, um, just absolute depth right here, folks. I mean, as long as, as far as pass catchers go, this Bucks team is absolutely stacked. But let's investigate this claim just a little bit, just to see. So let's go to um, Mike Evans' career stats and just see what other wide receiver rooms he's been a part of. There's really none that I could really think of. I don't even know who. I, I know he was working, working with Chris Godwin, I think, for a little bit. But I don't even know who his other number two was. Let's see what Mike Evans was working with here. And is this truly the best receiving room he's ever been with? So, all right, we've got uh, he's been in the league since 2014. So let's see what his uh, rookie year receiver room was looking like. So we had... What do we got here? Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson. Vincent Jackson caught 1,000 yards that season with Josh McCown. Jeez, Josh McCown. Look at this man. Josh McCown had 2,000 yards passing, and each wide receiver had 1,000 yards receiving. That's fantastic. Vincent Jackson, great 6'5 wide receiver. Great longevity career. Um, just absolutely fantastic. Uh, so that's a pretty solid receiver room right there, but it's not really that deep. And their tight end was Austin Safarian Jenkins, who only caught for 221 yards. So could be a little bit better. This receiver room is definitely better than that one. Let's see what uh, his second year in the league was like. That's 2014. Let's see 2015 Tampa Bay Bucks receivers. What do we got? Still got Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson. Vincent Jackson taking a little bit of a step back here with only 500 yards receiving. And then they had Brandon Myers and Luke Stalker at their tight end position. And Brandon Myers only caught for 127 yards. Not great. Jameis Winston's first year here with the Bucs, thrown for 4,000 yards. You'd love to see that. 22 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Not the greatest right there. Uh, so, yeah, this 2021 Bucks receiver room is better than that 2015 team. Let's check out 2016 now. Here we go. Mike Evans coming into his third year. It's Mike Evans, and that is it. They have Cameron Brait and, once again, Brandon Myers and Luke Stalker. Cameron Brait caught for 660 yards. Uh, once again, what we say is very, very good in this league, and that's what we can expect. Rob Gronkowski had 600 last yards. Cameron Bray or O.J. Howard both can get 600 yards with Rob Gronkowski getting 600 as well. So we'll see how many tight ends they use, and uh, hopefully they cycle through them because all those are just great tight ends really to have on the team. 
All right, what else we got with wide receivers here? Because they only listed Mike Evans as the starter. He's so good that he's the only starting tight end. Is that what you're telling me? What do we got? Can we see any other wide receivers? We got Cecil Shorts. Yikes. What did he have? What did he have in 2016? Cecil Shorts in 2016. 152 yards. Yeah, not what we are really looking for right there, truly. And we accidentally closed the tab. How unfortunate. How unfortunate. All right. So, I mean, we, we, get, we get the gist, right, folks? I mean, this is definitely their best receiver room that they've ever had. They're going to start with the, all these receivers right out of the gate. Antonio Brown is their third deep wide receiver, folks. And then you got Scotty Miller. I mean, absolutely fantastic. What was Scotty Miller's stat line last season? 500 yards, three touchdowns as the number four wide receiver. I'll take that all day. Absolutely. So Mike Evans, folks, they're big. I mean, he's big on this Bucks team. Obviously, he finally got a ring. He finally has a quarterback that's not turning the ball over as many times as he's throwing touchdowns. So, man, oh, man, the Bucks, folks, watch out for the Bucks. They truly could go 17-0, honestly. I don't know a team that could stop them. Maybe the Chiefs. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe the Packers. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's really it. Is that, are, are those the only two teams that could stop this Bucks team? Maybe the Ravens because of their defense, but maybe we'll see what they do offensively. We know this Bucks team has a great defense as well. So if this Bucks team is just getting favorable matchups schedule wise, they could be the first team to go seventeen and zero, folks, in the first seventeen game season. How crazy would that be? So Mike Evans says this is the best wide receiver room he's been in and uh we do agree we do agree heavily all righty people got paid today in the nfl the first one up it's darius leonard oh my goodness linebacker for the colts here darius leonard and the colts have agreed on a five-year 99.25 million dollar contract extension he becomes the highest paid inside linebacker and 52 and a half million of his salary is guaranteed now this man is absolutely a Freak of a specimen at the linebacker position. Y'all know I like my linebackers fast, and he may be the fastest linebacker in the NFL, folks. So that's what we love about Darius Leonard. That's what we love about this Colts team. They got an absolutely great defense. They got an absolutely great offense. We gush about all their kind of pieces all over the field, and now they just officially got it done. Now, the only kind of real hesitancy here with Darius Leonard is that he's still a little banged up. He had a little bit of an ankle tweak in the offseason. And uh, he's been sitting out of training camp for the first, like, two weeks here. But, I mean, you don't sign this man. And it's just a small ankle thing. It's nothing big and serious. It's not an ACL, not an MCL, not an Achilles, anything like that. Just a little bit of an ankle tweak. But, um, you know, now that they signed him, I mean, it's pretty certain that he's going to be out there week one. We were a little, little kind of watching this a little bit. Um, because we need Darius Leonard out there for this Colts team, for the defense, just to be absolutely at his kind of peak of what it can do. So Darius Leonard getting this contract extension truly kind of tells us that this ankle injury isn't anything serious, which we didn't think it was, and that he will be starting week one. This isn't going to be kind of a long injury because you're not going to sign uh, a player to a five-year $99 million contract if you don't think he's going to be able to play um, anytime soon. So Darius Leonard should be able to go week one, which is probably great absolutely great I should say not probably it is and uh that's great that he signed and they've got him locked up for five years so Darius Leonard and the Colts folks man oh man fantastic
highest paid inside linebacker in the league. And who else got paid? Well, Xavier Howard did, folks. He is staying a Miami Dolphin. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. We all know he was holding out. He ended up showing up to training camp, but he was still unhappy with the team because he wanted to get repaid after he just got paid. And then he sent out that long tweet or Instagram message, whatever it was, that was like, you know, I love the Dolphins, but I'm feeling disrespected, and I just want to get paid, and I'm here so I don't get fined and all that. But it worked out in his favor, and that's what we're saying folks we don't mind players doing this we don't like it obviously because it's the team that we root for so we don't want to see our best players leaving but we always get behind the player here do what is best for you if you feel like you deserve money more money then go out and kind of do the things that players that think they deserve money do like hold out like not show up like kind of uh bring it to the front for light spotlight of the national media so they can go on it and they can go and run with the story and have all the speculation and keep the Dolphins name in the media circus so it puts pressure on the front office and the coaches to go and get a deal done a restructured contract done I've got no problem with players doing that Take control of your future. The owners, the front office, they will cut you. With, you know, If you do anything bad, that hurts the brand. But if you're doing good and helping the team, they want to get you on the discount. So I've got no problem with players trying to get truly what they think they deserve. And that's exactly what Xavier Howard did, and it paid off. So we, they do. the Dolphins agree to restructure cornerback Xavier Howard's contract. Now that that is restructured, let's see what this new deal is. Did Xavier Howard get everything that he wants? We've been hearing he wanted to be kind of paid the highest corner in the NFL. He wanted to be paid the highest corner on his own team because we know Byron Jones was higher paid than Xavier Howard was, even though Xavier Howard was basically the number one corner in football last season. So let's see what we get here in this new restructured deal for Xavier Howard and the Dolphins. So here we go. Xavier Howard has resolved his contract dispute with the Miami Dolphins. The All-Pro cornerback and the club agreed on a reworked contract Sunday, NFL Network's Mike Garofalo reported. Howard, the NFL's interception leader in 2020, is staying in Miami after all. As part of Howard's new contract, the cornerback had $1 million in Pro Bowl incentives, and $2.5 in additional incentives added to his 2021 year. So there's a chance for him to go and go out and earn another $3.5 million a season. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reported, with all minicamp fines rescinded, how great is that? Um, I, uh, do we remember? I think it was like 50000 I think it was 50000 every practice that you missed, and that was the same for Aaron Rodgers if he didn't show up. And I believe... Um, um, Xavier Howard missed like one or two. So all those mini camp fines rescinded. Howard can make upwards of $16.285 million in 2021, which would make him the league's highest paid cornerback this upcoming season. So if he hits all those incentive targets like he probably will, I can really foresee him getting the Pro Bowl incentives. I'm not sure they don't really discuss and go into what the other $2.5 million in incentives are. I'm sure it's like interceptions and games played and snaps played and all that. But uh, he has a chance to earn $16 million this season, and that would make him the highest-paid corner this season. So, hey, that's what he wants. Fantastic. 
In addition, Howard gets 500000 in per-game roster bonuses and $100,000 in workout bonuses moved to base salary and guaranteed money in 2022. His $12.975 million salary in 2020 is guaranteed for injury and will be fully guaranteed by the first day of league year. Oh my goodness. Woof. All that, your full 2022 salary is fully guaranteed. That's fantastic. I'd be signing this deal as well. Jeez. What else do we get here? Um, what do we got? Rappaport added that $6.7 million of the cornerback's 22 salary is fully guaranteed at signing. Man. Howard also received assurance from the club that it will renegotiate a new deal in late February or early March following the 2021 season in line with market based on the cornerback's health in 2021 performance. So he's betting on himself a little bit. Hey, I think I'm going to go out there and get it done this year. And then we're going to head right back to the negotiation table right after this season is over because I know I'm about to still be performing at this high level. So high risk, high reward here for Xavier Howard because if he comes back out here and flounders or he gets a little bit injured yes it's all fully guaranteed for next season but that new negotiated deal it's probably not going to get done and by uh, Xavier Howard's going to have to wait till the 2022 season to go out and get a new deal because there was nothing on tape and the Dolphins are not going to pay y'all pay you if uh, you know you're not putting anything out on tape you know what have you done for us lately so Xavier Howard is truly getting everything that he has wanted so that is great and the Dolphins signing and locking down this huge piece defensively here for the Dolphins defense and this is what we wanted to see just because you know this has kind of been a little bit of a revolving door for um Brian Flores' defense here, and that's not really what we want to see. We know it kind of worked in New England. That was under Bill Belichick, but you also had Tom Brady as the quarterback. I like Tua, but I'm not going to you know, compare him to Tom Brady right now. That's just stupid to say. That's blasphemous to really even compare. So maybe Brian Flores was getting caught up a little bit too much in the Bill Belichick philosophy of never paying players a revolving door, especially defensively, and just sticking kind of players in the scheme, um, in the fit of the team. So maybe Brian Flores was getting caught up in that. We heard the Kyle Van Noy. We talk about the Kyle Van Noy. You sign him, and then the very next season you get rid of him. And that's what Xavier Howard was kind of seeing. Hey, nobody's really kind of staying here long term. And even though they got signed, they were still kind of um, getting rid of them, even though they were still under contract. And that's why we were saying, you know, yeah, Xavier Howard, do whatever the hell you want. We've got no problem with that because of just how it is a business. So go out and get yours, whatever you think that is. Go out and try and get it. So Xavier Howard um, here again, and hopefully this Dolphins defense can just build on what they did last season with everybody still truly, the key pieces truly still being here. So let's see how Brian Flores coaches this defense. Let's see how Xavier Howard handles um, now kind of all the pressure on him to truly go out and perform. So um, he got the money. Now he has to kind of uh, go out and back it up once again this season. You can't be this one-and-done player. You can't be one-and-done and acting like you deserve all this money. No, you got to be great for four-plus seasons in a row, like you know the greats do, like the Richard Sherman with the Legion of Boom, like um, Stephon Gilmore's currently in that kind of great four-year stretch, like um, Jalen Ramsey is in this kind of four-year greatness stretch right here. How long can they go, and is this a one-and-done season? I don't think so. 
I don't think it is for Xavier Howard, but only time will tell, and uh, we'll keep an eye on him as the season progresses. But uh, Darius <clears throat> Leonard and Xavier Howard both getting paid this uh, today, so great, great for them. All righty, folks, let's talk about a quarterback here that we really have not talked about. We have not heard any real great things from Zach Wilson. We've heard some good things of Trevor Lawrence, not a lot, but some decent things. We've been hearing great things about Trey Lance. I mean, uh, we've heard more great things about Trey Lance than we heard from Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, and we've also heard a lot of great things from Justin Fields. So what is going on with Zach Wilson? Truly what is going on with Trevor Lawrence as well because he's in a quarterback competition with Gardner Minshew. Um, so what the hell is that? about but truly Zach Wilson he is the only guy there's no other quarterback on this team that should be playing right now I mean when we look at the the Jets quarterback depth chart it's Zach Wilson is a starter obviously and then it's James Morgan and Mike White and John Josh Johnson it's like none of those players will ever play in this league so when it comes to Zach Wilson and the Jets it's he better get it together because he's the week one starter instantly you need to go out there and get it done but we haven't been hearing anything great from him about him, anything like that. We've seen no highlights of this man. We've been seeing highlights of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Trey Lance and all that, even Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, uh, but we have not been seeing or hearing anything from Zach Wilson. But we get this right now, and this is not great, folks. Jets quarterback Zach Wilson struggles in a simulated game at MetLife Stadium. Coach Robert Sala says Wilson had, quote, some good moments, and obviously he had some rookie moments. So he's not really progressing as well as maybe the Jets thought he would. Um, you know, the number two overall pick, high value there. You had, you know, your cream of the crop. You just didn't have Trevor Lawrence to pick from. So you go with Zach Wilson over Trey Lance, who's already kind of showing that he could be the starter. Justin Fields, you chose Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. And Justin Fields is already kind of proving he could be the week one starter. So let's go into this article right here and see truly what the hell is going on here with Zach Wilson. Can we buy into the Jets team? We have not gotten to the Jets in our team refresher, but when we get there, we really can't put too much stake in Zach Wilson really doing anything meaningful this season. So let's see what we get here. Let's read through this, and hopefully, um, maybe there's some good takeaways in this article of Zach Wilson. Hopefully, because we've gotten no good takeaways at all from this man. Um, and we're, you know, heading into week three of training camp. That's never a great sign. So, let's see what we get here. We're five weeks away from seeing how Jets rookie quarterback Zach Wilson will perform in a real NFL game. On Saturday night, he struggled in his first simulated NFL game at MetLife Stadium. Via Rich Semini of ESPN.com, Wilson threw two interceptions and led the starting offense to only three points in seven possessions against the starting defense. He completed 11 of 24 passes for 112 yards. Well, that's below 50% completion percentage, so that's trash, but he did average about 10 yards a pass, which isn't bad. Um, that's kind of like the average standard you want to see if you're making a pass. You better make sure it's like 10 yards. You cannot be, you know, completing 20 passes for like 130 yards. I mean, that's absolutely trash. Uh, so, Zach Wilson, not really great. Seven possessions and three points. Jeez, jeez. That's not going to win a game, folks. I'll tell you that. Um, so, that's not great here by Zach Wilson. Um, this is going to be real interesting to see. Now, I'm really excited to watch this man in the preseason so we can finally see what this man is truly capable of. But from this short little quip right here, this is not great for the man. So what else do we get here? So what did Wilson think of his showing? Quote, 
Not great, Wilson said. I have high expectations for myself in this offense. I have led the guys, and I have to make better decisions. That's why this isn't game one. That's why we're doing this. I understand that. Of course, I'm going to be frustrated with myself, but I'm going to, I'm going back to the film room and find out what I can learn. So obviously the right attitude to have the right things to be said here. You know, this is, you know, not even a preseason game. This is a pre preseason game. I mean, this is to get me ready for the first preseason game. Just, you know, the tempo, the fluidity, how it's ran, the timing, all that, getting up to the line, breaking my huddles, all that. So, you you know, we're not going to, you know, totally flop on this man. We're not going to totally knock this man and, you know, sell this man 100% just because he didn't do good in the pre preseason game. But it's still not a great look since we've been hearing some great things from some other quarterbacks. And we're going to see some other quarterbacks later in the show that are like, all right, they're ready to rock right now. So let's quickly go to this Jets depth chart because we know they don't have the most A1 tier one pieces. They did pick up Corey Davis in the offseason, and he is absolutely magnificent. We are big on Corey Davis. 984 yards last season with the Titans, and he's 6'3", which, you know, gives any quarterback that extra just kind of, you know, go up and get it. Usually corners are like 5'10 to 6'1", and if you're 6'3", you just have that instant win because of the height matchup. So you give your quarterback just a little bit more freedom and how we can throw the ball. Hey, I can throw it a little bit higher. I can, you know, be a little bit riskier down the field because I can trust my receiver to go up and get it. So I can, you know, throw it a little bit higher down the field. And there's really no chance at an interception or a pass breakup. It either falls incomplete because I threw it too high or the receiver goes up and makes a magnificent catch. And we're 25, 30 yards down the field on the first down. Fantastic. So Zach Wilson does have some solid pieces to go to. Corey Davis, obviously. Uh, Jamison Crowder, meh, he's all right. He caught, you know, 700 yards last season. He's only 5'9", though, so he's not really helping you out too much. They got Keelan Cole. What is he looking like? 600 yards last season, 6'1", six, uh, real solid Jaguars last season. Um, so he's got an A1 wide receiver, but that's only one, and he's really going to be covered by the A1 corner on the opposing team. What do we got tight end-wise? We got Chris Herndon. Mm, Chris Herndon. What do we got here? 6'4". He only caught 287 yards. I don't think he went to tight end university. I'm almost certain this man did not go to tight end university this season. And that's never great. We hold big stock in tight end university. If you did not get invited there, you're missing out on a ton of knowledge. So let's quickly scroll through the list of who attended tight end university. And I do not believe... Let me get the name here. Chris Herndon was on this invitee list. Here we go. We're scrolling. We're scrolling. Chris Herndon, where art thou? I don't think any Jets tight end got here. Oh, no, he did. All right. Chris Herndon did get to tight end university, so we can buy the tight end a little bit more. That's great. That's actually a huge, great sign here. Um, hopefully, he learned a lot, and you know, only time will tell when we can watch this man out on the field. And hopefully, Zach Wilson is trying to go down to trying to kind of get Chris Herndon the ball a little bit more out there. This is kind of the new passing in the league, folks. This emergence of tight ends catching 1,000-yard receiving seasons. That is no longer out of the realm of possibilities. Before... 
I would probably say um, since like 2015 on, it's maybe even 2016 on, the tight end position has started to really blossom. But before kind of 2015, 2016, like being great at the tight end was like catching 500 yards, 600 yards. Like that was really impressive. But now we're shifting that narrative because we just saw Travis Kelsey catch 1,400 yards. It's absolutely fantastic. I think Darren Waller had 1,000 yards as well. So this is kind of the new standard. We can't be having, you know, tight ends catch two, three, four hundred yards anymore. That's not getting it done. So let's see if Chris Herndon can get the job done and if Zach Wilson acknowledges Chris Herndon and what he's learned from tight end university. And hopefully the offensive coordinator and Robert Sala are working together to go out and make these tight ends lethal weapons. And once again, that's just going to open up the entire passing game, making it easier for Corey Davis, making it easier for the running game. Now, let's talk about the running game now. They have a rookie running back in Michael T Carter. I'm not the biggest believer in him, but we'll see what he can do. And then they got Tevin Coleman as the backup. What did he rush for? Only 53 yards last season. I'm assuming he didn't really play any games last year. So, they don't really have these great pieces, and they would need Zach Wilson to really kind of elevate everybody else around him, and that's really hard for a rookie to come out and do year one. So, nothing is truly looking great here for this Jets team especially now that you have, you know, rookie head coach Robert Sala on top of it all. So it's going to be real hard to really see how many wins this Jets team could truly get this year since everything has just been not really coming together as well as I'm sure Robert Sala would have liked it. But let's get back into this article right here and finish it up. First year coach Robert Sala had a better assessment of Wilson's first practice without offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur just a few feet away, quote, there was no one to turn to for him to talk to, to have that experience and to have to be able to go through it all. These moments are priceless for him. He had some good moments and obviously he had some rookie moments. So once again, just that overall, getting the overall field of a simulated game. So when he goes into preseason, he's not lost. And when he's ready for week one, for that first week one game where all the fans are in the stands and everything matters now, stats matter, winning matters, losing freaking kills you. It crushes you. You've been building months on end putting in the work, blood, sweat, and tears, the grind on the field. And when you start losing, the locker room will start to turn. Yes, week one, it's like, all right, you know, we've got week two. Let's brush it off. But once we're talking about week nine, 10, and you only have two or three wins, and the season's already over, and there's no way you can mathematically make the playoffs, then it just goes worse and worse and worse from there. So you really have to start winning right out of the gate or being competitive right out of the gate before you start losing some of these kind of pieces and the first pieces to go are really defense because they're like we're doing our part the offense isn't putting up points we just saw that with the Bears kind of the last two years with Mitch Trubisky truly not getting it done winning the games hopefully Zach Wilson does a little bit better than that but it's really hard to kind of tell with all this really non-greatness over here with the Jets Let's continue. Uh, here we go. A crowd of nearly 20,000 at MetLife Stadium showed patience with Wilson. Um, there was no booing. That's great. You don't want you know your fans booing the starter, the face of the franchise. That's just going to get in in his head. So that's great by the fans there. Love that. Quote by Wilson. It's all part of the process. We're all learning. I've got to make better some decisions, but I know I can learn from all those. This is the reason we do this sort of thing. So once again, they're not panicking. They know this is kind of the natural progression, and they're all still trying to buy in here. So the Jets' future franchise quarterback has five weeks to learn what he can before the Jets player or the Jets player 
That's a typo. Before the Jets play their first game, that counts against former Jets future franchise quarterback Sam Darnold. Do they really have the Panthers week one? Is that true? Is that true? That is kind of, um, I kind of love that because I want to see Sam Darnold lose. I want, I, I kind of want to see the Panthers be trashed this season and it's no disrespect to the Panthers fans or really the Panthers players. The only person I really have beef with is Matt Rule because we were kind of buying into Teddy Bridgewater last season. Um, yes, they didn't win, but I mean, given the circumstances, no Christian McCaffrey, first time quarterback with the Panthers, first time head coach in this league uh, coming up from the college system. I thought it was a decent year. You didn't have to go out there and be Super Bowl champions or, you know, NFC champ, NFC uh, champions, you know, year one. You had a natural progression to build upon that, but he went uh, with Sam Darnold over Teddy Bridgewater. That made no sense us so that's kind of why I want this uh, Panthers team to be bad um, so let's go to the Jets right here and is it their week one opponent this would be crazy um, yeah they got the Panthers in Carolina though that I wish it was in uh, MetLife Stadium unfortunately but uh, it is in Carolina Jeez, wow alrighty um, Wilson won't have to worry about the home crowd booing him either uh, he makes his NFL debut on the road at Carolina well I guess we should have just read uh, the rest of the article before we spent you know 30 seconds explain, you know, figuring it out uh, so that's our kind of first look at Zach Wilson folks nothing great truly nothing great but uh, at the same time, no real 100% cause for concern. We'll mark their cause for concern at about, we'll give it about 60% midway, a little bit more than halfway um, at the 50% mark, just because we have been hearing and seeing great things for the other rookies. So it's not out of the realm of like, well, no rookies are doing good at the current moment, so we shouldn't expect Zach Wilson to kind of be the outlier. Well, we have been seeing it, and it's the later first-round draft picks. So, not great for Zach Wilson here, folks. But we'll see what he can do in the first preseason game. See if he turns it around any. Alrighty. Here we go. Let's continue on here. And uh, this is like the first time we've heard praise from Andy Dalton, which throws a little bit of a wrench in our bet of Justin Fields being the week one starter. Got some great value on that at plus 400. We think that's fantastic. But here we go. Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson said of Andy Dalton, quote, he's throwing us open and things like that will allow for a lot of big plays this season as we're able to see things and adapt to different defenses. He's been able to put the ball in the window to pretty much just make the defensive back run. So this is great news for the Bears. Obviously having competent, good quarterbacks, number one and Number two, for the last two years, they've been rocking with Mitch Trubisky. That wasn't even a good number one quarterback. And then they bring in, bring in Nick Foles, and he wasn't even a good number two quarterback. So now they've got two good quarterbacks on this roster. And we'll see if Andy Dalton, how long he can keep that starter status. We don't think it's going to be by week one. We think Justin Fields is going to be the week one starter. But, you know, this is a good quote here because Allen Robinson is their best player. So if Allen Robinson is liking Andy Dalton and, you know, they're connecting and hooking up and they're both looking good, you know, that's going to probably keep Andy Dalton the starter for a couple of weeks potentially and we know Matt Nagy has a plan for Justin Fields so we'll see how long that plan is and uh, hopefully it's sooner rather than later so we can make a little bit of money on that but uh, Andy Dalton's still looking good out there for the Bears and we'll see how long he can keep that up 
Alrighty, now let's talk about Michael Thomas because uh, we know that he is going to be out for the first couple weeks of this season. Never great, especially when you don't have Drew Brees anymore and you're kind of making these two quarterbacks try and get and play at that high, high level that Drew Brees plays at and not having your A1 tier 1 wide receiver on the team for the first eight weeks, first six weeks. uh, Never really a great sign here. So we're getting a little bit more information on truly what was going on here with Michael Thomas in the Saints because we know Michael Thomas had just had surgery and we heard from Sean Payton he was like yeah it should have been done earlier and that was really all I'm going to say about it so now we get this Saints Michael Thomas ignored calls from coaches for three months during his off-season rehab Thomas wanted a second opinion from another doctor to decide how to best deal with his rehab and surgery now you know hindsight is obviously 2020 but you know if he had it I had that surgery three months ago. He but he would have been, you know, ready to rock by week one. But him getting trying to go out and find a second opinion just wasted all that time and now he's not ready for week one. So truly not great here. And this could really just sour the relationship between Mike Thomas and the Saints. I don't know how much soured it is right now. I'm assuming it's pretty big sour because Sean Payton is unhappy. And if you ignore a franchise for three months, that's never going to be great. So this could be dangerous for Michael Thomas. And he may not be a Saint for that much longer. Especially if the Saints just absolutely big flounder here. And let's say they go 0-6 with Michael Thomas out. That's just going to you know make Sean Payton and just this Saints team just overall resent Michael Thomas a little bit more because they're like, man, oh man, we just lost six games because you weren't out there. What if all these losses are like one, two, three point losses, very, very close losses because they they would have won all those games if they just had that A1 tier one mega wide receiver and Michael Thomas out there to get them those extra one, two, three points to secure the victory. So this could be the beginning of a truly sour relationship and we'll see if Mike Thomas ever hits kind of, you know, the trademark at any time this season if the Saints just kind of like all right we're kind of going to start rebuilding not a full-on full-scale rebuild but a little bit of all right we lost Drew Brees let's get rid of Michael Thomas that era's over we'll still have Alvin Kamara we're really going to build off of Alvin Kamara um but uh you know these other wide receivers maybe even a quarterback if they're not really playing up to the standard we're just going to have a little bit of a soft rebuild here for the Saints so We'll see, man. Only like we said, only time will tell on how rocky this relationship can be. But uh, if they start losing because no Michael Thomas, the relationship was go- is going to be kind of facing a lot of adversity. But if they keep winning, uh, you know, let's say they go five and one, six and zero, oh, uh, even four and two, I would count four and two as success. Even kind of three and three, um, honestly, without Michael Thomas, is a decent success, and that will definitely, you know help the relationship and then once Michael Thomas gets there they start winning games this could really all be swept under the rug so it's really going to depend on the start of the season for the Saints of how much they truly will resent Michael Thomas and not just Sean Payton but maybe even the guys up front the linemen hey man you know you could have been helping us out here but now you're you're not here and we're losing games you know we put in the work and uh you know you're not you know you not answering the the phone calls from the coaches early in the offseason yeah you know that that affects us too and maybe even James Winston and Taysom Miller are like man oh man you know James Winston without Michael Thomas my, James Winston is like this is my chance to revitalize my career now you're not out here and you're affecting me man and Taysom Hill is like this is my first time starting and I wanted this great 
wide receiver out there to help me grow and help me put out some great plays out on tape so I can get that big contract because I don't have a good contract right now. Michael Thomas got a big old contract. Jameis Winston doesn't, and they're dependent on Michael Thomas. Taysom Hill doesn't, and he's dependent on Michael Thomas. So it's, you know, it's not just... Michael Thomas's own actions hurting himself. It's kind of the team overall. This is a team game. Bat, or football is a big, big, big team game. Two f- sides of the football, 53 players, an abundance of coaches, all fighting for the same goal. This is not basketball where LeBron James can just take over, where Steph Curry can just take over, where Giannis, let's give him some respect. No, he just won the finals, won finals MVP. Let's give him some respect. You know, Giannis can single-handedly take over a game. You need everybody out here for football. So we'll see how this relationship with the Saints and Michael Thomas goes. Y'all better start winning real early. <laughs> the Saints better start winning real early on, folks, and we don't have that. We just talked about the Saints and our team refresher, and we got them going 6-11. and 11. This is not going to be a great year for the Saints. Real tough opponents, and uh, they're not with Michael Thomas for the first couple of weeks. Not great. All right, let's move on here. We're talking about some rookie quarterbacks right here. Let's watch this ball, folks. Trey Lance to Brandon Ayuk. First of all, look at this fucking ball, folks. This is absolutely fantastic. Look at this ball. I mean, we're talking about, oh, my God. Let's see. Let's see where this ball lands. Where are we at? The five? Oh, my God. Is this a 45-yard pass? I think he's at the 50, folks. Oh, my God. Absolutely beautifully right on the mother-loving money. Good separation here. About a half a step, but it's not, you know, a full step, two full steps. This is solid separation in the NFL. This is actually real good. This is still wide. This is kind of technically wide open in the NFL, honestly. And he puts it absolutely right on the money. Holy moly. I think he threw this one from the right hash, too. Did he throw this from the right hash? Yo, folks, this pass is truly impressive. This is what we're talking about. Trey Lance is getting it done. I don't think Zach Wilson is making this throw, folks. I don't think he's making this. So, just... Trey Lance is truly getting it done out here. We just heard yesterday from Kyle Shanahan that Trey Lance will play in some capacity. Um, We don't know if he's going to be starting anytime soon, but situational gadget plays. Expect Trey Lance to be out there. Um, He's got some good running ability, but this passing ability as well, folks. Folks, I I can't get over this play right here. This is an absolutely 100% beautiful perfection ball from the rookie. Give the man some credit. So, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you better hope you gosh dang stay healthy because this is waiting in the wings. And um, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I am drooling over this. I am just waiting, waiting for Jimmy Garoppolo to make one mistake. And I'm like, all right, it's enough. I've seen enough. Trey Lance, go out there. So, we're loving what we're seeing by Trey Lance and hearing from Trey Lance. Comparing it to everything that we've been seeing and hearing from Zach Wilson, it's night and day. Trey Lance is up here, and Zach Wilson is still a little bit down here. So, man, oh, man, folks. Trey Lance, I think the man's got it. I think the kid's truly got it, but we'll see. Obviously, you know, these are practices and, uh, you know, one-on-one coverages and, uh, you know, no pressure from the defensive line attacking them. So, we'll see if he can do it in preseason and in uh, regular season games, but so far we're loving what we're seeing from Trey Lance, truly. Alrighty, Rams and the Cowboys had a joint practice um, yesterday, and we got some decent things to talk about. So let's talk about this one first. Here we go, Cowboys and 
Rams. So they got into a little bit of a scuffle yesterday. We got a little bit of a a better angle here. Uh, So um, Aaron Donald, defensive end for the Rams, and Connor Williams, offensive lineman for the Cowboys, going at it in drills right here. Obviously, when you have a chance and opportunity to match up against one of the best edge rushers in the game of Aaron Donald, you're going to kind of weigh this heavily because if you can guard Aaron Donald and block Aaron Donald, you can block anybody else in this league. So Connor Williams and Aaron Donald kind of matching up here. And Connor Williams holds his own against Aaron Donald absolutely beautifully. And Aaron Donald didn't really like that. And it got a little physical after the play because Aaron Donald isn't used to being locked up. And they got into a little bit of a tussle right here. Aaron Donald throwing him to the ground. And then all hell breaks loose and it's a big pile. So that was a little bit of a scuffle. Um, Obviously, you know, it's football. It's high intensity. I mean, folks, these are grown men being pit against other grown men to physically... What is it? Physically um, imply their will? Uh, I'm blanking on that middle word. Physically physically impose, physically impose their will um, against the other man, grown man, 25, 30 year old grown men out here. So yeah, you know, you're going to kind of take offense. Hey, Aaron Donald's like, this man thinks he can lock me up. And maybe there was a little bit of jaw and back and forth because if I'm Connor Williams and I just locked up Aaron Donald for a play, I'm like, this is the this is the great Aaron Donald I've been hearing of the myth Aaron Donald I've been hearing of. I mean, isn't Aaron Donald like the back to back to back defensive player of the year or something like that? It's just like uh, I locked this man up. I got some choice words to say by this man to this man. So a little bit of a pile there. Nothing too serious. Nothing too serious. Um, no injuries. No kind of you know. Um, hey, you're out of here. No ejections. Anything like that. Just you know, it boils over a little bit. Just like the Giants practice the other day boils over a little bit. Offense going against defense. Once again, offense going against defense. Offensive lineman locking up the edge rusher, and you now tensions boil over a little bit. No worries. Nothing big. Uh, but then, so that was the first kind of thing to note. But then we get this. Per this is uh, Tanner Fire. What does he got? This man is nothing. He's not even verified. Pro Football Source and Insider, he says. Reporter for Fantasy Football Counselor. Partner in analysis for NFL Rums. Okay. NFC North Informant. So, this is what this man had to say about uh, the joint practice. We got to go back. So, he said that CeeDee Lamb got the best of Jalen Ramsey today. And folks, 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 CeeDee Lamb, folks. CeeDee Lamb is going to be the best quarter, the best wide, let me start that over. CeeDee Lamb will be the best wide receiver in the NFL, and he's going to make that known this year, folks. I mean... What we've been seeing from this man, I mean, we've been seeing great highlights and highlights after highlights. I mean, folks, he's the most highlighted player that we have seen in training camp. There's nobody else that's matching the level and kind of um, the numerous highlight clips that we have seen make absolutely great plays in practice. So we're expecting big things from CeeDee Lamb this season. He's going to be the number two wide receiver on the team. So once again, that's just going to open him up even that much more. He's going to have Dak Prescott out there hopefully for for the full season. Let's knock on wood on that. Hopefully nothing happens there. So I truly believe CeeDee Lamb is going to kind of make himself the number one wide receiver this season. I think he's going to have a breakout year. Absolutely. So let's just quickly, I want to go into this a little bit. Do I have CeeDee Lamb's, uh, I thought I had sets up. Here we go. CeeDee Lamb, I kind of want to take a quick look here because we see last season, He caught for 935 yards. That's his rookie year, folks. He's going into his second year. It's absolutely fantastic. He had 66 catch percentage, which which is still real solid for rookie year. We love that. We just saw um, 
Justin Jefferson hit 70%, and that really kind of blew us away. But 66% catch percentage is still really solid out here. But I want to see, because we saw Dak Prescott go down. So I want to see, did that hurt CeeDee Lamb a little bit because he was catching balls from Andy Dalton? So I want to go into his game logs here and compare them, compare his stats to the games that Dak Prescott was playing compared to the games that Andy Dalton was playing and just see if there's any drop-off between the two quarterbacks because that's going to help us really kind of assess what we can truly expect out here with CeeDee Lamb going into year number two. So let's get up Dak Prescott's career stats as well so we can just see what games he missed last season so we can see which uh, which games were a difference maker uh, for CeeDee Lamb. Did he have, like, every game with Dak Prescott, was he catching 100 yards every single game? And then with Andy Dalton, it was like 50, 60, something like that. Let's look at the catch percentage, too, as well, uh, compared to Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton. That will give us a nice read on uh, just Andy Dalton as well. Was he doing the same thing? Maybe we're bashing Andy Dalton a little bit too much. Um, and then let's see how we can kind of extend extrapolate maybe cd lamb could have had a thousand yard 1200 1500 yard season um if dak prescott played the entire season we also have to keep in mind that cd lamb only played in 16 games or four he started 14 games he did play in all 16 but he only started 14 games so once again hurting his kind of thousand yard rookie year mark so let's quickly go over this uh let's get dak prescott stats up quickly go to his game logs and see which games he's missed here we go Alrighty, so he only started one, two, three, four, five games. Yeah, I forgot. He, he went down early. I always forget. Um, well, not really forget, but just kind of um, with Joe Burrow's injury. He got injured real late in the season where Dak Prescott got injured real early in the season. So really kind of two different scenarios right there. But let's see what C.D. Lamb was looking like in the first five weeks of the season. All right, here we go. <clears throat> CeeDee Lamb, first five weeks. Here we go. Game number one for 59 yards and 83% catch percentage. Game number two, 106 yards and 66 catch percentage. Game number three, 65 yards and 71 catch percentage. Game number four, 79 yards and 71% catch percentage. And then game number five, 124 yards and 72% catch percentage. Jeez Louise. So those are his stats. I want to add up these numbers really quickly. His first five game numbers. Let's add up that quickly just so we have a nice little number to kind of work with. Uh, he did have two 100-yard games. So that's going to be how many games, how many 100-yard games did he have with Andy Dalton? That's something that we have to look at. But let's add up all these numbers. So we got 59. We got 106. We got 65. We've got 79. And we've got 124 for a grand total of 433 yards, folks. We know his grand total is 900 935 so basically half of his yards came in the first five weeks folks half came in the first five weeks eight weeks should be the mark because 16 games half of that is eight so geez louise cd lamb with a full year of Dak prescott folks come on come on all right let's um he also had two touchdowns um, during that five-week stretch, which is a little light there. We'd like to see that number up a little bit. But overall, he only had five touchdowns the entire season. So once again, half of his overall stats came in the first five weeks, folks. That is truly crazy. Um, I got to blow my nose real quick. Uh, excuse me. Uh, really itchy. All right, we're good now. We're back. All right, here we go. All right, so now after week five, when Andy Dalton comes in to take over, what is his yards looking like? All right, so week six, 64 yards. 
63% catch percentage, his lowest, his lowest out there. Game number seven, he didn't even catch a ball. He was targeted five times, caught none. Bad passes, they only put up three points. We have to kind of potentially put that at Andy Dalton. Week number eight, 27 yards, 80% catch percentage, dink and dunk. Why is Andy Dalton dinking and dunking to CeeDee Lamb? This man is great. Air this man out. Week number nine, 71 yards, all right, 57% catch percentage, though. So really like great yards, so we like that. Um, week 10, week 11, game 10, I'm sorry, folks. Uh, 34 yards, 66% catch percentage, once again, nothing great. Week 12, 21 yards, 71% catch percentage. Week 13, 46 yards, 66% catch percentage. Week 14, 46 yards, 100% catch percentage, but it's only two passes, meh. Um, week 15, 85 yards, 71% catch percentage. That's a great game, and they got the win. That's a great that's a great game right there. Week 16, 65 yards, 60% catch percentage. And then week 17, 43 yards and 71 catch percentage. But overall, folks, the man never had a 100-yard game. The man had a really kind of lackluster games. He had a 21-yard gain, a 0-yard game. How do you give this man 0 yards? Andy Dalton, what the hell are you doing? You know, 21, 34, nothing really great. Low catch percentages. So truly, we can expect CeeDee Lamb to truly have an absolutely amazing season full force of Dak Prescott at the position, CeeDee Lamb not having to go over this quarterback carousel, and uh, Dak Prescott's going to be you know, throwing this man the ball because he's the number two, Amari Cooper's locked up with the number one corner, CeeDee Lamb's on the number two corner, getting free, the man's great, so we can truly expect CeeDee Lamb to have a huge season, and I am going to stick by this, um, that CeeDee Lamb will be the number one wide receiver in the NFL by the time this this season is done. He is going to kind of elevate himself to that number one um, receiver status. Right now, Devontae Adams is the number one wide receiver in the kind of minds of the coaching staff in the front office. Uh, the the poll that was taken in the offseason, they chose Devontae Adams as the number one wide receiver. In our opinion, it's Tyreek Hill is the number one wide receiver in this league. But CeeDee Lamb, watch out for this man. He's going to claw his way up to that number one spot, folks. I truly believe it. All righty, and talking about, you know, great wide receivers getting great highlights here, we get T. Higgins going into year number two, our favorite 6'4 wide receiver. Well, maybe not our favorite, but uh, he's a 6'4 wide receiver, so we absolutely love it. Uh, but here we go, T. Higgins. Look at this man mossing the corner right on him. Looking at this man go. Go up and get the ball. Look at this man. It's 6'4. This is what I'm talking about. Joe Burrow, do you see how high Joe Burrow lofted up this ball for T. Higgins to go out and get? This is what we're talking about with great height at the wide receiver position it makes the job on the quarterback easier because you don't have to worry about it being picked there's no way if you throw the ball high it's gonna get picked because corners are like 5 10 to 6 1 we got 6 4 and we got 6 6 darren waller folks i mean we got 6 6 kyle pitts out here we got tall wide receivers and t higgins going into year two we can expect big big things from him so Joe Burrow just getting better. T. Higgins working on his game. Overall, um, you know, this Bengals team is still a little bit of a question mark to me. But uh, they've got the pieces to potentially go out there and start winning some games out here. Joe Burrow's just going to have to step it up. The whole, whole offensive line and defense is going to have to step it up so they can be competitive in these games. But overall, if you got a monster athlete like T. Higgins... You got to love it. And I love this, man. The coach is like, that's my dog right there slapping him up. You love to see that. 
knowing you did absolutely something fantastic, going up and mossing, getting the ball up there, making your quarterback look good, and then it's just all praise from all the coaches' staffs. You got to love that. So giving him the recognition he truly deserves, T. Higgins, man. Watch out for this man. All righty. Back to another kind of quarterback um, duel out here, quarterback competition. We got Gardner Minshew. He was taking the first team reps for the seven-on-seven drills. Now we have been seeing this is an open quarterback competition with the Jaguars, and we just saw uh, Trevor Lawrence take more snaps than Gardner Minshew did the other day, but now Minshew is back taking reps with the first team. So once again, true quarterback competition out here. And then we get this by Trevor Lawrence today. A nice little clip of him throwing the ball. Real solid. You see him kind of uh, rolling out to the right immediately. It's a speed out left, roll out to the right. Everything, uh, Everybody on the line is flowing to the left. A little bit of a misdirection, and it works to perfection. Trevor Lawrence is wide open out here to the right, and then he just sets his feet and winds up for a real deep ball all the way to the left side of the field, and it's an absolute dime. So Trevor Lawrence looking real good out here early. I mean, folks, he's going to throw this from the 15-yard line and get it all the way down to the... I want to say 40, so real solid right there, but just all the way. He's on the right hash, throwing it all the way back to the left hash, and he just puts it right on the money, folks. I mean, no chance at a pick. The receiver has to go out and kind of extend for it a little bit, but, uh, I mean, this is just great ball placement. No chance at a pick, no chance at a pass breakup. It's only maybe potentially false incomplete, um, but, I mean, this is still a real great throw, and it's the receiver going out and getting it and uh, completing for a nice like 20-yard like gain right there. So Trevor Lawrence looking real good out here, and you like to see that, like to see this man progressing and uh you know making it hard on Herb Meyer to truly make a starting quarterback um you know designation on either Gardner Minshew or Trevor Lawrence so they're both all looking good out here in Trevor Lawrence with some great uh some great accuracy man oh man folks truly apologies if you're watching I am in like I've been scratching my nose the entire show, folks. <laughs> I apologize I mean I don't know what the hell is going on it's just itching as heck uh, so I apologize on that but what are you going to do? It's live. It's human nature. I don't know what y'all want me to do. So, all right. Maybe good now. Maybe. We'll see. All right. Last, uh, last story to go over. We got another top five takeaways from Albert Breer. This time on the Chargers. So, this man kind of goes to uh, training camp. Spends a day with the team and just see and just writes down what he's seeing out there. So let's see what he's saying about this Chargers team. Let's see if we get any kind of updates on Justin Herbert because we haven't really seen him any really film of him in training camp as well. And he just had an absolutely amazing season. And we kind of uh, highly regard Justin Herbert as a great passer. Uh, so we really want to see what he's going to do this season. We have him listed as the number two quarterback in the NFL right now. So that's kind of. Uh, you know, big, you know, that's a high regard of this man. So we don't want to look like clowns. So we hope uh, he doesn't take a step back this year. But here we go. Top five takeaways. Takeaway number one, new staff knew what kind of player, player Derwin James was. They now know the person leader he is. His energy, communication, etc., etc. He'll wear the green dot for Stanley's defense. All right, so Derwin James is going to be the defensive captain out there calling the plays. All righty. 
Takeaway number two, Nasir Adderley's cover skills have shown up. Coaches are excited about his fit. So if this Chargers defense could be great, let's get up uh, this Chargers depth chart real quick. Uh, if this Chargers defense could be great, I mean, you just need Justin Herbert to, you know, get it done offensively. And this Chargers team could, you know, be a huge force in the AFC. This Chargers team has just been a little bit of a lackluster, I think, for the last two years. Let's get up uh, their history as well. Um... Obviously, we know the very, very close losses over the last two seasons, really kind of the reason why they made the switch off of their head coach, Anthony Lynn, unfortunately. Uh, so if this defense could be locked down, if they could start winning all these close games, I mean, this Chargers team could, you know, make themselves known, you know, with the Chiefs, with the Ravens, with the Bills in the AFC to really be just absolutely great and be competing for the AFC championship and, you know, their right to win and go to the Super Bowl. So this Chargers team is truly on the door of greatness the last two seasons finishing seven and nine in five and eleven so they really need to kind of get back to what they've been doing with Philip Rivers you know getting you know decent records getting uh, it's not even they weren't even that really that great they had a good four-year stretch from 2006 uh, to, two, to 2009 lost in the divisional round lost in the conference uh, finals lost in the divisional lost in the divisional so uh, they want to get back to that kind of great Four-year stretch going 14 and two, 11 and five, eight and eight, and 13 and three from 2006 to 2009. The last two years really losing all the games closely. All right, this uh, Chargers defense. What do we got? Uh, we got Joey Bosa, obviously very, 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 very good. Edge rusher. We got uh, what do we got? What are these linebackers? Uchenna Uwosu. Uh, what? How many sacks did he have last year? This man good. Four and a half respectable that's respectable they got kaiser white what is this man doing at the right side linebacker only half a sack mm, okay and then we got kenneth murray uh left side inside linebacker one sack okay okay so their their linebackers need a little bit of work but i mean they've got some solid uh defensive backs they got michael davis and chris harris jr as their corners, they also drafted Asante Samuel Jr., and I think that man's going to be good. I, I want to see this man kind of start at some point this season. And then um, what Albert Breer just said, Nasir Adderley, their free safety, his cover still skills are showing up, and coaches are excited about his fit. So if this man can like kind of turn into like a roaming free safety out there, like a Tyron Matthew, like a Jamal Adams, and just kind of be all over the field at all at all times, I think that really helps and boosts this defense overall. So overall, if this Chargers defense can get it going. This is a solid team. Close out the games, uh, win those close games like they've been losing the last two years. Uh, this could be a good Chargers team, folks. Real dangerous. Takeaway number three, wide receiver, rookie wide receiver Josh Palmer has an NFL body already. And in Joe Lombardi's Saints-centric scheme, he'd fit in a Michael Thomas type role. And we know Michael Thomas is at the top of his game. Um, a lot of people clown him for, you know, oh, Michael Thomas only runs slants. But, hey, it still gets the job done. So, hey, you know, you can, you can knock the game, you know, but uh, he's still getting his. So you got to respect it. Takeaway number four, Chargers did a lot to fix the offensive line, but the Matt Filer signing flew under the radar. Looks like he'll be a key piece in the Reno renovation of the line. So once again, offensive line getting better, uh, protecting Justin Herbert uh, even more, protect, uh, making Austin Eckler be a great running back. We believe in Austin Eckler, folks. He had um, 530 yards last season, but he's also good in the pass and run game. We can count on him. So overall, 
The line's getting better. The defense is kind of shoring up a little bit. And now we're talking about a great team, folks. Be big on this Chargers team. And then takeaway number five. All righty. Had one person say to me out there Friday that Joey Bosa, quote, would have wrecked practice today if it would have been live. So Bosa's where he needs to be, and Rashawn Slater's gone against him a lot, which should help him assimilate to the NFL. Chargers are counting on the young left tackle, and that's exactly what we've been seeing, folks. We just talked about it. The Rams and the Cowboys had joint practice today. Uh, that lineman going against Aaron Donald and holding his own, just kind of getting that valuable rep, going against the best of the best is definitely going to make you better in yourself how do I stop the best of the best because if I can stop the best at that position then I'll be good for you know the number 10th at that position the number 30th at that position the 32nd at that position the 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 second string I'll be able to lock him up no problem so going against Joey Bosa showing up that offensive line chargers folks potential real dark horses if Justin Herbert doesn't take a step back and we don't think he does they start winning the close games the uh, head coach here for the same or for the Chargers the new head coach here for the Chargers closing out the close games we're talking about an 11 12 13 win team folks truly so if they have a favorable schedule watch out for this Chargers team truly so those are Albert Breer's top five takeaways from Chargers training camp looking real solid Alrighty, let's head over and head uh, and do our NFL team refresher, folks. We've done a couple of teams already. Let's uh, quickly remind y'all. We're doing a working list, just kind of um, putting them in order on when we do them. So out of the first seven teams so far, Lions going in two and going two and fifteen, max five wins. Saints going six and eleven. Broncos going ten and seven, or we can see eleven and six. Falcons going eleven and six. Washington going nine and seven. Their ceiling is thirteen and four. They do have a high ceiling. Titans going eleven and six and the Raiders going ten and seven. So we um, spin the wheel, do a random team, talk uh, talk them through what they did last season, what they did in this offseason, who do they draft, who do they get, who do they lose, and then we talk about their schedule and see how many wins we can give them. So let's uh, get the wheel up here, spin the wheel, and let's see what team we're talking about today. So here we go. All right, and that was a bad spin. Oh, my God, I'm not spinning it good. Here we go. Wheel is spawn. Wheel is spinning. Wheel is slowing down. And the team in our refresher today is going to be, oh, okay, the New England Patriots, folks. All righty. Well, to start with the Patriots, we do have a little bit of a quarterback competition underway, folks. Cam Newton or Mac Jones? Cam Newton, obviously, been in this league a long time. Or Mac Jones, the newly acquired rookie. Um, all right, so let's investigate who their starting quarterback is probably going to be. Or who do we like? Who do we don't like? What do we like? What do we don't like? So let's quickly go over Cam Newton because we are not the biggest fans of this man. We were rooting for this man last season, folks. We were big behind this man, rejuvenating your career, real revitalizing your career here in New England. But he never took advantage of it. And it was truly not great. So last year, the Patriots go 7-8 and eight with Cam Newton at the helm. Cam Newton, he had 65% completion percentage, which is real good, um, real solid. His second highest completion percentage of his career, which we can always get behind. But it only came with 2,600 passing yards. We know he's a little bit of a better dual threat quarterback. And 
you know, I say this, uh, well, I just said this the other day and I liked it, so I'm going to say it again here. Um, you know, everybody disrespecting Lamar Jackson saying, oh, he's a running back, he's not a quarterback. Cam Newton is not a quarterback. That man's a running back. The man only threw for 4,000 yards once in his career, folks, and it was for 4,051 yards, so it's not even that impressive. So Cam Newton's not a quarterback. You want to call any quarterback a running back? Call Cam Newton a running back because this man is truly not that great. His overall completion percentage is 60%, folks. He's thrown 50% in the 50s, one. Two, three, four, five, six times out of his 10 year career. So, this man is nothing that great of a passer out there. Last season, only threw for eight passing touchdowns in 10 interceptions, folks. Let's talk about his rushing yards because it makes it a little bit better. But overall, it's like at the end of the day, this. It proves that you can't just be a running quarterback in this league. It's been proven you don't win like that. You do need a solid passing game. And I don't think Cam Newton has that left in him, unfortunately. So Cam Newton uh, rushing last season, 592 yards. He did have 12 rushing touchdowns. But overall, I mean, we're talking about like 3,000 yards of production. How many fumbles did he have? He had uh, six fumbles as well. So about 16 turnovers. Once again, unfortunate with uh, 22 touchdowns in total. It's like, what do we do? We can't truly get behind this man, folks. I'm not getting behind Cam Newton again, I don't think he's got the goods. Now, you could say, well, you know, it was his first year with the Patriots and they had no weapons. They truly didn't have any weapons. But still, at the end of the day, we can't use that as the end-all, be-all excuse. You still need to go out there and get it done, even if you don't have everything kind of going great with you. Because we know what this Patriots team is all about. It's all about scheme. And they, you know, are not going to tailor to your kind of needs or standards. They're not, you know, they didn't do it with Tom Brady. They didn't do it with anybody. So they're not going to do it with Cam Newton. They just need Cam Newton to get it done. So... Not the greatest here by Cam Newton. Now, when we go to kind of Mac Jones, I mean, we don't like Mac Jones either because obviously he's a rookie. We're not going to get big on that rookie so far. And uh, we can go up to his career stats. He only started one year in college, folks. And that Alabama roster was absolutely loaded. Jalen Waddell, Najee Harris, and... Devontae Smith, all three great wide receivers and just kind of overall offensive legends. They're literally legends in Alabama already, folks. So, Mac Jones, getting his kind of first start in 2020, he threw for 77% completion percentage, which is great. 4,500 yards, which is great. 41 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. I mean, folks, all these sets are great. Don't get me wrong. But they were in college in an absolutely offensive stacked system at Alabama so I don't know how much actually Mac Jones was being good uh, or just kind of all that talent making him look good because when we 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 watched this man in our um uh, our draft preview of Mac Jones when we did that we weren't really impressed with him we ranked Mac Jones on our big board the fourth best quarterback in the draft we did have Trey Lance under Mac Jones just because we didn't like that Trey Lance was in the uh, F. CS, it wasn't really anything that great. Um, but uh, yeah, not the biggest believer in Mac Jones. And we'll see if he can kind of uh, potentially beat out Cam Newton. It does seem like we heard 
Bill Belichick say that Cam is the starter, but we have been hearing some good things about Mac Jones in training camp. A little bit of good things. Um, not like, but the fact that it's even the discussion proves that Cam Newton is truly not going out there and winning the starting job by himself because he's not even taking advantage of year two under the same system. It doesn't seem like he's growing that much. So I think Cam Newton's going to be the starting quarterback here for the Patriots this year, but I don't believe and I can't buy into Cam Newton again. So, uh, I'm, I'm not big into Cam Newton, folks. Now let's go to um, their overall depth chart. See what they're working with? Because now we're talking about Cam Newton's weapons last year weren't anything great. I can, I can say that, and that could be a reason why Cam Newton wasn't getting it done last year. But what they brought in this season, I mean, it's still tier two pieces all across the board at the wide receiver and tight end position. So Cam Newton, who's not a tier one quarterback himself, he's a tier two-ish. I'm borderline putting this man at tier three. I know that's disrespectful, but I'm very close to putting him tier three. If he flounders this season, I'm going to mark him to tier three quarterback. But he's a Tier 2 quarterback working with Tier 2 weapons. I don't expect Tier 2 quarterbacks to elevate Tier 2 pieces. I don't see that happening. So let's bring up the Patriots step chart. Remind all of us about the uh, the additions that they brought in this year. They got Nelson Aguilar. Once again, this is a Tier 2 piece. He caught for 1,000 yards, 896 last year, 8 touchdowns. Tier 2, though, we got Jacoby Myers. Once again, a Tier 2 wide receiver here. What did he have last season? 729 yards. And then Kendrick Bourne, once again, Tier 2, 600 yards last season, two touchdowns. At the tight end position, Hunter Henry, once again, Tier 2 tight end, 613 yards. That's real solid. Maybe he could become a Tier 1. Um, Jonu Smith, Tier 2, I don't even think he caught 500, 448 yards, eight touchdowns. So, once again, solid pieces. Don't get us wrong, and, you know, being tier two is still fine. It's not a big dig if I call you tier two, but you're not the tier one. You're not a Devontae Adams. You're not a DeAndre Hopkins. You're not a Tyree Kill. You're not a um, Darren Waller at the tight end position. You're not a Travis Kelsey at the tight end position. You're not the George Kittle. So you're not the tier ones. Tier two, still good. Top tier two, mid tier two. I call Nelson Aguilar mid tier two. Jacoby Myers, mid to low tier two. Kendrick Bourne, mid tier two. Hunter Henry, high tier two. Jonu Smith, mid tier two. So nothing great weapons-wise that Cam Newton can rely on. He has to go out and play higher. Cam Newton has to play higher than himself to elevate these Tier 2 pieces. And I don't really see that happening. Running game. What do we got here? Damian Harris as our starting running back? I mean, nothing great. 691 yards last season. Nothing that we can truly get behind. We got Sony Michelle, who's once again tier two. These are all tier two pieces on this roster, folks. Really, not they don't they don't have one tier one player here. Not one tier one player on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball, they got Stephon Gilmore, Devin McCourty. I'll give them tier one. Kyle Van Noy at the linebacker position. I I wouldn't be opposed to giving him tier one status either. Like I said, apologies. I, the, oh, the nose is itching, folks. If you're watching this, I'm just constantly itching my nose, and I truly apologize on that. But um, overall, I just can't get behind Cam Newton and just this overall lackluster offense. Um, I don't even know. Would Tom Brady make this offense work? Probably because it's Tom Brady, but shoot, man. I, the fact that I'm not 100% convinced that Tom Brady can make this offense work. I'm not convinced that Cam Newton can make this team work, folks. So I'm not big on Cam Newton. 
Let's see what else we get here with this Patriots team in the offseason, their additions, their losses, and their draft picks. So let's go over that. Here we go. New England Patriots. What do they do in the offseason? Here we go. All right, so they re-signed Cam Newton. They re-signed their center, David Andrews. They re-signed their defensive lineman, Dietrich Wise Jr. They get Henry Anderson, another defensive lineman. They bring in Hunter Henrys. They get they get Jalen Mills. Okay, that's a solid safety. Is he starting, though? I didn't see him in the starting lineup. Um, he is second string over Devin McCourty. So, once again, that's some solid depth at the safety position. I, I can get behind that. Um, Kyle Duggar, I think, was pretty solid as well. What did he do last season? Anything solid? No solid stats. But I think T Kyler, Kyle Duggar, another safety out here, is a real solid piece. And once again, he's a backup safety. So they got some real good depth here. J.C. Jackson, Stephon Gilmore. We know Stephon Gilmore is one of the most uh, talented uh, corners in the league. I'd put him in top five. Um, I don't think i put him in top three, but I do put him in top five. Um, and then J.C. Jackson. Let's see what J.C. Jackson was doing. We've got our favorite website right here, playerprofile.com, where we can see what the corners were doing against the wide receivers on how many yards they gave up and all out and all that. So let's see, is J.C. Jackson a good second kind of corner to have on a team? So let's bring up J.C. Jackson's kind of stats from last season. What did he do defending the best wide receivers? So here we go. J.C. Jackson against Nelson Aguilar, who's now on the team. Uh, 5 of 7 for 72 yards in a pass breakup. A little bit of a burn there. Against Sammy Watkins, 2 of 2 for 16 yards. All right, not terrible. Solid lockup. Tim Patrick, 2 of 4 for 43 yards. Three pass breakups, and he had a pick. So not bad overall. He had 43 yards, not the best. Against Brandon Ayuk, 1 of 2 for 23 yards. A pass breakup and a pick. That's a pretty good lockup. Against Stephon Diggs, 7 of 11 for 93 yards, and he had a pass breakup and a pick. Not bad overall. Against Marquise Brown of the Ravens, 2 of 5 for 22 yards, a pass breakup and a pick. That's a fantastic guy. God dang, J.C. Jackson was balling out last season. That's great. Against Will Fuller, 8 of 11 for 127 yards. That's a burn. That's a big old burn there. Against Christian Kirk, 4 of 7 for 38 yards. And that's not good about Will Fuller because Will Fuller is now on the Dolphins, and you got to face the Dolphins twice a year. So if J.C. Jackson's back on Will Fuller, he's going to get burned again. Christian Kirk, 4 of 7 for 38 yards. That's a good solid lockup. Against Josh Reynolds, 2 of 3 for 20 yards. Solid lockup. Against Mac Hollins, 2 of 4 for 20 yards. A pass breakup and a pick. Good lockup. Against Stephon Diggs, 5 of 9 for 96 yards and a pass breakup. That's a burn. So he actually did pretty solid. I can get behind some of these. Stephon Diggs, I mean, both weeks just absolutely burned him. Not great. Uh, so against, like, the A1 Tier 1 wide receivers in this league, he's not the best. But against, the, you know, the lower Tier 1s, the higher Tier 2s, I think the man can lock it up. So overall, great defensive backs and great safeties. And that's really what the, the Patriots are. Are really going to have to heavily rely on and I'm glad that Kyle Van Noy is back with this team after you know getting cut by the Dolphins for no reason at all so overall and Dante Hightower is back I believe he opted out because of the COVID season so overall this defense of the Patriots should be kind of back to you know the normal Patriots standard level of level of play because you got coached by Bill Belichick so overall this um this defense for the Patriots is really going to have to kind of be the main force and Cam Newton and just the overall offense is going to be have to be game managers all righty what else do we get here in their offseason additions 
So they get James White back. They bring in John New Smith. They bring in Kendrick Bourne. They bring in Kyle Van Noy. Uh, they re-sign Lawrence Guy. They bring in Matthew Judon, an edge rusher. Is he starting? Uh, Matt Judon. Yes, he is. All right. What did he do last year? How many sacks did he have last year? Six sacks. Real solid. All right. So once you got another pass rusher, we know pass rushers win in this league. You got to have a good pass rusher to win. Uh, Nelson Aguilar. They bring in Raekwon McMillan, too. Damn, another great linebacker. Is he starting? Oh, do they already get rid? Oh, no. They He's on IR. How long is Raekwon McMillan out? Did he just get injured? That's not great. He's a real solid linebacker. Um, I can get behind a Ray Ma- Ray Quan McMillan, uh, but uh, yeah, I think he did just go down. Yeah, I think he's down for the season. I think I did remember reading that. Um, I think he tore his ACL. Yeah. Oh man, that's tough. All right, bad there for Ray Quan McMillan. Unfortunate, torn ACL. And then they bring in a center, Ted Karras. Karras is he in the starting lineup? No, so they bring in a little bit of extra depth at the lineman position, at the center position. Not bad. So overall, some real solid lock uh, bring-ups here, some real solid additions. We just need these kind of wide receivers to really go out and show out, and we just need Cam Newton to be solid, just a game manager. He doesn't even have to be an above-average game manager quarterback like a Ryan Tannehill, like a, um, like a Baker Mayfield, like a Kirk Cousins. Just go out there and be average-ish and uh, let the defense in the – Tier 2 pieces take over. All right, who do they lose? They lost Adam Butler, a defensive lineman. Brandon Copeland, a linebacker. Demire Bird, a wide receiver. Jason McCourty, a cornerback. But we do like uh, who do uh, we do like their kind of cornerbacks already. So uh, Jason McCourty is not the biggest loss. They lose Tremaine Illuminar, a tackle. They lose Joe Thune, a guard. And Rex Burkhead, a uh, running back. So not too many big losses there. So overall, the Patriots, not terrible overall in their offseason moves. Now let's see what they did in the draft. Get a refresher on what they did in the draft. We know they chose Mac Jones in the first round. And now, what does that tell us? They went and got a a quarterback in the first round. They didn't really want to fill any other need besides the quarterback position with their first round pick, which was number 15, which is still a solid pick. So that tells you that Bill Belichick truly feels comfortable with all the additions that they made in the offseason. And they're not the biggest believers in Cam Newton, which is kind of our line of thinking. All right, in the second round, they went out and get a defensive tackle. Third round, they got a defensive end, Ronnie Perkins. Is he in the starting lineup? Was he? Where is he on the depth chart? Ronnie Perkins. Defensive end. Ronnie. Ronnie, where art thou? I'm not even seeing Ronnie Perkins on their depth chart. What the hell is up with that? Oh, here he is. All right. <clears throat> He's third string left uh, left side linebacker. So we'll see. All right. Um, what else did they get in the draft? So that's their first three-round picks, showing up their defense and quarterback a little bit. And then, like we said, everything past the third round, you really don't expect to come out and make an, a year one immediate impact. Um, obviously, there's always exceptions to the rule, but fourth-round picks, fifth-round, sixth-round, seventh-round, it's like, all right, now we're just kind of hoping. <laughs> so here we go, fourth-round picks. That really don't mean anything. They bring in a running back. Fifth round, they get a linebacker. Sixth round, two sixth-round picks to get safety and offensive tackle. And seventh round, they go a wide receiver and Trey Nixon, a six-foot wide receiver. So, overall, they just short up their defense and quarterback through the first three rounds. So, first three 
round meaningful picks. Now let's see where this Patriots offensive line ranked. We like to see where the the offensive line ranks because if you don't have a good offensive line, you're not going to be a good team overall. So let's see where PFF and like we said, we this isn't we're not taking this as the gospel. We are just taking this as a good benchmark of where the line is at right now. So the final 2020 offensive line rankings. Let's see where the Patriots ranked. We're scrolling. Oh, they ranked number four. Wow. Let's see what they wrote about him. Here we go. You don't expect rookie offensive linemen to come in in the NFL and play the way Michael uh, Anwenu did for the Patriots, especially rookie guards who were selected in the sixth round and forced into a starting job at tackle. Jeez. Let's see. Is Michael Anwenu, sorry, uh, butchering the name. Let's see. Is he still in the starting lineup here for the linemen? Yes, Mike Anwenu. Fantastic. All right. So that's going to still be tra- uh, carry over to this year and still be real solid. What else do we get here? That didn't stop. Oh, on Wenu. On Wenu. On Wenu. On Wenu. Okay. On Wenu. I'll get it right here, folks. All right. That didn't stop On Wenu from slotting in as a top 10 right tackle in the NFL by PFF grade. An additional. In addition to strong play on both the left guard and right guard at various points in the season. So he's kind of, you know, can be that kind of duct tape of the offensive line. One person goes down, you can slide him to that spot and be fine. The New England offense didn't have a whole lot of going on for it in 2020, but the offensive line in an area that they can count as a strength on that side of the football, it's a group that could be dealt a big loss in the form of Joe Thune. However, Thune ended the season as the sixth highest graded left tackle in the NFL will be a free agent this offseason, and we do know that Joe Thune is not there anymore. So that is a little bit of a loss there on the offensive line. All right, so we can expect the offensive line to be good, which it needs to be good for Cam Newton to have protection and for Damian Harris and Sony Michelle that aren't A1 Tier 1 running backs in this league to still have a solid rushing performance. All right, the last thing to read over is just the oh, another overall offseason grade, this time by Bleacher Report. We just kind of want to see what they're saying about this Patriots team in the offseason. We know they went out and got a lot of pieces. I think they spent the most money in free agency. I think they got the most players in free agency. So let's see what... Bleacher Report says about this Patriots team in their offseason additions. So here we go, and just offseason moves in total. So once again, their additions, John o. Smith, Ed Rusher, Matthew Judon, David Godshaw, nice defensive tackle, Jalen Mills, Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Ted Karras, uh, Kyle Van Noy, Cam Newton, David Andrews, James White, Lawrence Guy, Henry Anderson, and Trent Brown. Really, I mean, a lot of positions. Wide receivers, tight ends, edge rushers, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, running backs. I mean, they really just filled up every need there. And then the key drafts, quarterback Mac Jones, defensive lineman Christian Barmore, and edge rusher Ronnie Perkins. And then the key key departures, offensive lineman Joe Thune, defensive tackle Adam Butler, safety Patrick Chung. That's definitely going to hurt them a lot. Patrick Chung's been great for them. Right tackle Marcus Cannon, wide receiver Julian Edelman, and we all know that man. That's great. Great slot piece. And then edge rusher Brandon Copeland. All right, here we go. Uh, a couple of paragraphs on the Patriots. Offseason moves. The New England Patriots might have been able to do more to address the quarterback position this offseason, but that's really the only reason they didn't earn an A plus after loading up on both sides of the ball in free agency and the draft. 
Whether they start Newton or Jones at quarterback, they'll be in a lot better shape with Smith and Henry at tight end and Brown back at right tackle. Will they miss Thune? Sure, but at least they re-signed Andrews and brought back Carras after a one-year stint in Miami. Ditto for Kyle Van Noy, who along with Judon, Godshaw, and Anderson should bolster a defense that was already in fine shape. Once again, yeah, exactly. This defense is really going to be the main focal point for this Patriots team. Speaking of that D, Barmore was a steal outside of round one and gives them yet another weapon up front and does the intriguing Perkins from round three. It would have been nice to see them land Stafford or Darnold at quarterback. Not Darnold. Sam Darnold cannot play, folks. I don't know how many times uh, we're going to see it this season. Sam Darnold cannot play. It's over for that man. It's truly done with that man. Like we said with Cam Newton, you know, it's not the greatest yards, and you can make the excuse that he didn't have the right talent around him and all that, but we still need some solid production. And Cam Newton still gave us 65% completion percentage, which we truly respect, and we do like that. Sam Darnold, same thing. Trash coach it. Well, not the same thing with Patriots with the trash coaches but he had trash coaches not the best support all around him like Cam Newton and the Patriots but the man never threw 60% completion percentage in three years so I can't get behind Sam Darnold the man is not good Matt Stafford on the other hand yeah that's a great piece right there all right, so I would it would have been nice to see them land Stanford or Darnold at the quarterback because Newton is done. But kudos to Bill Belichick and company for bringing in the pro-ready Jones. I don't know if he's pro-ready, especially with tier two wide receivers. If they had tier one pieces all around him, they had the Bucks wide receiver core. I would say that yeah, Mac Jones would be good in this Patriots system. But Mac Jones has not proven that he can can play with non-elite great talent. It's not been shown. He had one year in college starting. That's it. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris, all first-round picks. High first-round picks in this year's draft. Come on, folks. He looks like a good fit, and that's the icing on the cake for a team that looks primed to contend again in 2021. I don't know if they're offensively primed to contend here. We'll see. So that is the Patriots, folks, but we still got to see what they have on their schedule. Do they have a favorable schedule? Can we get behind this team? Can we count them for 10, 12, 17 wins? What do we got? So let's bring up the Patriots schedule, and let's walk through it and see how many wins we can give them. All right, here we go. Game number one against the Miami Dolphins. Should be a real great one here, great opener. We saw the Patriots beat the Dolphins in the opener last season, and I believe they were at home for that one as well. All right. This Patriots defense is good and should hurt the Dolphins. The, pa the Dolphins defense is good and should hurt the Patriots. I'm going to probably give the Patriots the split here against the Dolphins um, and will have the Patriots win their home game. So they do win week one against the Dolphins. They win easy week two against the Jets. Zach Wilson against this Patriots defense. Good luck, Zach. Good luck. Welcome to the NFL week two. Uh, that's another win. Then they go out and face the Saints, and I think this is a winnable game as well. They are in Foxborough at home for this game, and the Saints' offense is really not going to be able to handle this Patriots' defense, and the Saints' defense is not that great, and the Patriots' offense should be able to at least be competitive in this game, and I'm going to give them a win. Real start, real strong start to the schedule. 
3-0. Then they run into the box, cannot give them a win there. It is Sunday Night Football. Tom Brady back in Foxborough. All that nonsense, but I think Tom Brady rises to the occasion. I cannot trust Cam Newton against this Bucks defense, especially this Bucks defense that knows that Tom Brady desperately wants to win this game, and they're going to kind of step up to the plate for their man that just won them all a ring last year. Yeah, Bucks win this one. Then they go and face the Texans on the road. It doesn't matter. That's a win there. That Texans team is trash. Then they go out and face the Cowboys. I'm not going to give them a win here. I think the uh, Cowboys offense is too much for it. Uh, the Cowboys defense probably isn't too good. They are on the road there. That is a probably silver lining for this Patriots team. But I am going to give the Cowboys a win. They'll win. Uh, and then they go and face the Jets again. They do sweep the Jets. They go and face the Chargers. This is going to be a real solid good game right here. Um, I don't know how I want to call this one. I think I'm going to give it to the Chargers. Um, I think the Chargers at home should be real fine, and uh, this offense really should be rolling. Defense is real solid as well. So I'm going to give the Chargers a win there. Then they go and face the Panthers in Carolina. That's a win. I don't like anything on this offensive piece for the Panthers besides Christian McCaffrey, and the defense is just mediocre. It's like lost in the shuffle. So give them a win against the Panthers. Against the Browns, I'm not going to give them a win there. I think this Browns team is really going to be real solid this season. Um, then they go and face the Falcons on the road. This one's a Thursday night game. Uh, this one's going to be interesting. I'm going to give it to... I'm going to give the, the Patriots a nice upset here on Thursday Night Football. I, I'm We're not the biggest fans of this Falcons team overall. Um, the defense is the biggest question mark here. I don't know how they're going to do with that. So I'll give the Falcons a win there. Against the Titans, I can't give them a win there. Against the Bills, I can't even let them split against the Bills, folks. I'm not even going to have them split. I'm going to have the Bills win both games here. Then they go and face the Colts in Indianapolis. I can't give them a win there. They face the Bills again. Can't give them a win there. Like I said, I'm not even I'm not even going to give them the split. Then they go and face the Jaguars. I will give them a win against the Jaguars. And then they face the Dolphins at the end of the season in Miami. Not going to give them a win there because we're giving them the split and they already won their home game. So we got 8-9 and nine here with this Patriots team. But the good thing is that this is a winnable, workable schedule. There's really no real blowout potential games. The Tampa Tampa Bay Bucks is really the only blowout potential game. The Bills, it's division rivalry, so they should be able to contend well and maybe steal a game. Um, I mean, this is, I mean, folks, these are winnable games. Every one of these is winnable. Dolphins twice, Jets twice. Those are, you know, the Jets. That's a sweep. That's a sweep. Uh, but the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins are solid, and we do like the Dolphins. And the Dolphins, you know, we expect Tua to take that year two leap and look really solid especially with the new offensive pieces that he has and the Dolphins defense should be able to hold its own throughout the entire season uh, but still winnable games for the Patriots uh, Bills I don't really see winnable games that's going to be real tough for them but I mean Saints uh, Saints Texans Cowboys Chargers Panthers Browns Falcons Titans Colts Jags all real easy winnable games so we'll have them at a, a at a highly regarded Eight and nine. Patriots going eight and nine. Let me make sure I did that. Uh, did that right? Eight and nine. Um, we had them wins against, winning three straight there to open up the season. They beat the Texans. They beat the Jets again. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Falcons. And they beat the Jags. That's eight wins. All right. Yeah, eight and nine. Okay. So eight and nine. Can see 
10 plus. Okay, now where do we kind of fit this Patriots team into what all these other teams that we've already looked at for? And I think I'm going to put them slightly under the Falcons. We'll have them above the Broncos and above the Saints and above the Lions. Uh, but I'm going to have the Falcons above them just because I do believe this Falcons team has an upside. They do have the quarterback right. Uh, the Washington football team has a very high winnable ceiling if Ryan Fitzpatrick is kind of not just slinging the ball around and is being like an actual smart quarterback and not turning the ball over. The Titans, they got Derrick Henry so and Julio Jones and Ryan Tannehill in an amazing offense. So they just don't have the offensive coordinator anymore. And then the Raiders, I mean, they just have the pieces everywhere. They've got the pieces everywhere offensively, defensively, a little bit of a question mark as well. But overall, I just can't get behind Cam Newton that well. So we're going to move the Patriots down a little bit. We have them at 8-9. Can see 10-plus wins, uh, but uh, winnable schedule, so that's all you can ask for for your favorite team heading into the season, but uh, just can't buy into Cam Newton. That's really the only thing that's holding us back on this Patriots team, Cam Newton. Alrighty, so that is our NFL team refresher for today, folks. Patriots, 8-9. We'll see what the wheel has in store for us tomorrow when we run it back and see and refresh on another team. Alrighty, folks, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. I will be itching my nose. I cannot wait. As soon as this, as soon as I go offline, I am going to be freaking itching this thing fantastically, and I can't wait. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Hopefully there's nothing breaking so we, I can get out here and itch this nose, folks. Um, what do we got? Anything breaking? Nothing breaking. Fantastic. Um, all right. We are going to be out of here. Oh, pa oh, Panthers. I thought it was Patriots. Um, all right. Um, yeah, we're going to be out of here, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we are back live tomorrow, noon Eastern, like we always are. And we're going to do it again, folks. All righty, folks.